You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Work-life balance is a struggle without the horse. Add in equestrian sports and, well, it gets pretty dicey. This week, we're talking about ways to save when feeding horses and how to balance and have it all. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to Happy Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 107 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey, guys. Hey. Well, so I'll go ahead and tell you guys, which will probably go into the Rose and Thorn, but I figured we'd start the episode with me saying it. But it's been a crazy couple weeks, but I text Justine the other week and I was in the emergency room as we were planning for stuff because I have broke my leg, Ellie. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I think I called you. What happened is you called me and I was calling you back and you're like, I'm in the ER right now. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so, and you're like, I think it casually back. said, later. I go, I think I broke my leg. And you're like, wait, wait, what? You're like, no, no. Like, I don't understand. I'm like, oh, no, I think I actually broke my leg. And you're like, this can't really be happening. And I was like, uh, text you later. I'm like, oh, and apparently I'm having surgery. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Because so. then I text Doug the next day and I was like, is just alive? And then he just <laughs> sent me a picture of you in like a soft cast splayed out <laughs> on the couch. <laughs> God. Well, because that's what I've looked like for the last couple of weeks. I was like, uh, okay, I guess I'm going to live here. And so I still have that same soft cast. And uh, I was very, very fortunate enough when I went in the ER, when I was talking to Justine, this ER doctor kind of like found me. I had riding clothes on. I was in Wellington. And um, I mean, it was so dumb. I like literally was standing there. I was going to get on the horse and it went to walk forward and that drives me nuts. And I actually had like one of my grooms, they were all being wild. We had just gotten down there. And so I just jumped down to like fix them and be like, no, stand still. And you know, you have manners and you can behave. And when I jumped down, I landed weird and happened to break my leg, like so random and so weird. And, you know, things just happen. And so I'm in the ER and this doctor's like, he sees me and he's been taking care of me. And he's like, we have the best like orthopedic. I think you need to see. He does a lot of like horse people, everything else. And so turns out he is actually one of the best, the best. And so I was very fortunate to get right into him and get surgery, even though I would have loved to not have surgery, but, um, the leg looks good and I'm in recovery and PT and everything. And so, yeah, it's been a crazy couple weeks that, uh, yeah, I, so did you know, like you, you were getting off the horse, you were dismounting and you knew right away when you landed, like crap, I hadn't even gotten on. So what did you jump down from the mounting? So, so yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, I was actually on the back of the golf cart, but, um, (laughs) so I was, but I like get on the horse, you know, like we get on everything, like our horses stand, like I walk them up and like, I literally got on the golf cart and they walked up to me. Right. Like they do this. And so I was like, oh, it's fine. And I mean, we get on the back of the cars. I get on the side of the trailer. I get on, you know, anything, you know, you you know what I mean? Like, and all of ours are used to that. And so I just got on and they were being wild and stuff. So I was like, Hey Sam, will you just like come hold him? Because I was like, Oh, he might walk a step. 
but he like went to like lunge and I was like, absolutely not. And so I jumped down still holding the rein. Like I didn't even get my foot in the stirrup really. Right. Like he was just being rude. And I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, like that drives me nuts. And so I like jumped down. And so I, I, I didn't even have a foot in the stirrup. I wasn't doing anything yet. So I literally jumped off like the base of like, you know, the back of the golf cart or whatever, like not even really holding him. Cause Sam held him. I just like went to jump down to be like, you back up, you know? And so yeah. I just jumped down with both feet, but the way like looking back on it, right. Cause you replay it like 10,000 times, the ground sloped away left. And I just hit in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I felt and heard the side of my knee Ugh. like give way. And I was like, okay, maybe I have like a hairline fracture, like whatever. But like, I wouldn't remove my boot. I wouldn't do anything. And so they were going to like call the medics and it was like on Tuesday at the horse show and stuff. And so, and like everybody knew about it and stuff. It wasn't like we were trying to hide it or anything. So like, but then I was like, I can stand up. Like, I'm going to go to the hospital. Like it's stupid for the medics to come. They're going to tell me I need an x-ray. Like I'm wasting people's time. So I like get in the golf cart with Sam and we drive back and I call Doug and I'm like, we got to go to the hospital. So we like get me in the car. And I'm honestly the whole time I'm thinking I have like a hairline fracture or I've like sprained it or something like honestly okay it hurt but I didn't think it was that bad and so the whole time like even in the whole like when I got to the emergency room I told Justine I hadn't had any drugs or anything I got yeah. on and off like with I took x-rays I took a ct scan like everything with like it was painful but I was like oh it's not that bad and so they like pull my boot you know unzip my boot everything and they're like you're gonna have to cut your pants off I was like absolutely not like these are really nice riding <laughs> pants like absolutely not and to be fair I did not have to call Catherine and tell him I cut her really nice pants so that she was very <laughs> thankful of that I got the pants off and they were very fine but um yeah I just happened to like break the tibia plateau and I have no soft tissue damage, which was a lifesaver. Like I have wow. no cartilage or tendon or ligament or anything. I just, my bone took the brunt of it all to be honest oh, <laughs> in a weird yeah. way. I'm like, I've done this a million times. Like I've done dumber things and not done it. And long story short, I ended up breaking my leg from it. And it's not something, you know, you replay and you're like, Oh, well I wouldn't, you know, do it again. I'm like, I would do it again because I don't like when they walk off. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't break my leg again, but I do the same exercise again. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like somebody's like, oh, well, maybe next time you'll just jump on the horse. And I was like, no, I probably would have bucked off and like gotten hurt worse. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. wild. I'm like, I'm, you know, not that I'm happy that I broke my leg, but I'm like, you know, it always could be worse or something, but yeah, so dumb. So just annoying not even dumb, just annoying. So yeah. Jeez. here I am all laid up. So Hopefully I hope, I hope it's been recovering more than me. Yeah. I'm getting there. Like, I still have, like, no center of gravity. Like, I'm getting pretty solid, like, walk trot. I'm like, okay. That's good. I'm good. But, like, when I go to canter, I, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Poor Berkeley. I rode him the other day. And I almost, like, just, like, it's not even, like, fall. It's just, like, sliding. So, I literally, like, just almost slid it's off him, slide. like, six times. I'm like. 
I'm like, it's nothing you're doing, Berkeley. Because he was just so confused. He was like, I don't understand. Like, why are you all of a sudden leaning so far to the right or so far? Yeah, you're to like left? slow motion going sideways. <laughs> I'm like, ugh. But and I'm like leaning really bad off to the right, which I mean, guess makes sense because that's like the duller leg. But so I'm gonna, they're gonna try to. They want me to go see a chiropractor and get like acupuncture. Uh, in the leg because they're thinking that that might like wake well, up the nerves. Be good. Yeah. yeah. So we're getting there, but uh, it's definitely annoying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like the best word I can come up with. Like, you know, it's like not dumb. It's not, like I wasn't doing anything dumb. I wasn't doing anything stupid. It's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's the hardest part is I'm like, well, I'm annoyed because I'm here. And I have a broken leg, but you could always be worse, I guess. And I'm getting along and like moving around and I can shower ish now. Like special. <laughs> I can like do all this stuff. It looks a lot special, but I can like do all this stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. At least you don't have to like switch hands. Like, let me tell you, it is hard to learn how to wipe your own butt with your other hand. With the wrong hand. <laughs> Like, let me tell you, difficult. Oh, my God. So when I broke my collarbone, though, like, okay, yes, a leg is worse and it takes a little longer and stuff. But honestly, the collarbone hurt worse than my knee. Wow. I don't, I'm not surprised to hear that, though. A collarbone is such a, it's Every time you'd, like, move or sneeze, you're, like, vomiting pain. Yeah. And this is, like, even before I had the surgery, like, it was uncomfortable. But now it's just, I mean, I'm. I don't like any painkillers or anything else. And so I was quickly for the first week, I actually didn't take anything but Tylenol because, or I had like a Tylenol Advil mix. And then, um, I took a couple days, like I can't do any hardcore painkillers and stuff like that. And so I've been on like Tylenol for like the first couple of weeks. And now I'm really just like not taking anything because it's not that bad actually. I mean, that's great. Which is nice. Yeah, yeah. which is really nice because I don't really like medicine. So I'm like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Doug's like, you can take an Advil. And I'm like, no, no, I'm okay. It's fine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't really like take anything. And he's like, really, Jessica? I'm like, no, no, I'll be okay. Well, hopefully, Justine, you're not having to recover from anything. I know. I feel like hopefully you're okay. Well, yeah, but mine is so minor in comparison to both of y'all's. It seems silly. I <laughs> uh, I had a horse step on my foot and like oh. while a slip on oh. at the at the last horse show I was at last weekend, and now I have a big purple ugly foot, and I think I like my toes broken. But that seems very silly Did in comparison. Did you lose your toenails? That's actually <laughs> not, the worst. Not yet, but the one looks like it could be. I just oh. I'm living, like taped to the other healthier looking toes but um fingers crossed you don't lose like your big toe that's like the worst yeah i don't think my big toe seems good it's just like the three other like three other ones that were scrunched you know and it's a big gross purple looking foot right now you know but i will tell you it feels great in the riding boot because it's like nice and compressed in there i forget it until the end of the day where I'm like, why is my foot throbbing? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm completely functional. So it's not at all like, it's not even worth mentioning compared to you guys, but (laughs) 
Uh, I haven't had my footsteps on in a long time. And I was like, damn, this is awful. (laughs) Well, no, actually, maybe it's just like the threes. And we're getting that three out for everybody else and all the listeners. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. We're we're all set It's like we're we're taking one for the team. It's all into different degrees. But yes, we're taking one for the team. There we go. All right. Well, hey, guys. So this episode is brought to you by Purina. All right, Jess, since you're the one with the most recent injury, why, why don't you share the alcohol this time? Okay, because I mean, we've got to have one to, you know, mellow in our pain or whatever. So <laughs> this one, I am actually, I saw this and I was like, this sounds so good for, I'm an Aiken right now recovering and everything. And to be honest, the weather has been beautiful. So I'm like starting to find like the kind of fun summery drinks. So this is like on my next to-go list or to-do list or whatever you want to call it. So if anybody's had this, let me know because I'm going to be trying this the next week or two. It's called our Rosé Mezcal Paloma. And it makes one glass of this. And you take two ounces of Mezcal, four ounces of grapefruit soda, one ounce of Rosé, one ounce of lime juice, freshly squeezed, two to three sprigs of thyme, worm salt, and grapefruit wedges. And I just think like, to come into the spring with a little rosé, grapefruit, and tequila should be right up everybody's alley. Okay, so I did have to Google worm salt because I was like... Sure did, too. <laughs> uh, gross. But I also see why it makes sense for a drink like this. So... I just I think it? it sounds... I think it's... Yeah, maybe explain to everybody so they don't have to Google it. Okay, so, yeah, well, think about, like, tequila or, like, mezcal. Yeah. You know, there's generally the worm at the bottom of it. So this is, it's actually a moth larva, says the inter- internet. But mm-hmm. I guess, like, the salt, you mix that up with, like, ground ground up rock salt and some, like, dried chili peppers. And that's how you get the worms, uh, the worm salt. Yeah, and it's, like, spicy. Yeah. Definitely, like, fits for this type of drink. Just don't think about worms and you're all good. So to make this, we're going to cut a lime wedge and wet the rim of your cocktail glass. Then you're going to dip the rim in a bowl of the worm salt. And then in a shaker, you're going to put the mezcal rosé and lime juice. Shake it for 10 seconds. Pour it on the salted rim filled with ice in the cocktail glass. Then you're going to top it off with a little bit of grapefruit soda and garnish with that grapefruit wedge and a couple of the sprigs of thyme. Yeah, this sounds delicious. Yeah, like I would make. I want to make this right now. I like it for this type of weather. I feel like it's a perfect thing to like go into like the spring kind of summer months. Like start like feeling the beachy feel, and I think it's going to be. I'm definitely trying it. I will definitely report back. Absolutely, I'm not really like grapefruit soda. Like I was like, Meh, but I can see how it's like probably. No, I think it will sense. all come together because yeah. I mean, you know me and like fruity drinks are not really. That's always Ellie's like forte. And I feel like I could totally get behind this one. That's yeah. why I was like, I can talk about this one. It sounds like something I would drink, not like the fruity, fruity one. You see, here I am. I'm like, I don't know if grapefruit's fruity enough. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. All right, Jess, what do you got for news? So for news, I thought that we could just talk about how the season has finally officially kicked off for most, if not all the disciplines. I'm super excited that, I mean, we've been down in Wellington for a bit. Ocala's picked up. 
Um, you've gotten some really good results at the CDI, CSI, uh, the CCIs for eventing are about to pick up. And I'm just really looking forward to the 2023 season. I think we're going to have um, a lot of good shows to follow and watch. And just wanted to kind of mention that, like everybody kind of check in on where everything is. There's lots of live feeds for a lot of these shows. And so um, I don't know if like, you know, there's a great place to go. But a lot of times if you just Google the shows and see, Hey, look, they've got live feeds for almost all the big classes. So I will be tuning in and I hope you guys will as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. I've been, even when we're not at the shows, we've been watching a lot of the live classes. There was a five-star in Wellington we watched where uh, Laura Kraut won, and it's been really fun to kind of follow a lot of it. So I'm excited for the upcoming season to follow more. What about you, Ellie? So I've got a researchy one, Justine. So re- yeah, researchers in Germany are saying that the idea of the alpha mare or the lead mare in a herd is a myth. So pretty interesting to me, right? Because I like most of the industry (laughs) um, have always kind of heard the common idea that, right, you've got the stallion who's, yes, the ultimate leader and like the protector, but there's always that top ranking mare that's in charge of movement. Like she finds the grazing areas and she finds the water sources and she's kind of the head honcho. But uh, this doctor in Germany, I'm going to say Dr. K, so I don't butcher her name. (laughs) Um, (laughs) was observing her own horses closely, and she was just really not convinced um, by that idea. Um, So she, the researcher actually suggests that leadership is shared between all the herd members. So how she did it was she went and she observed the movement of three groups of uh, feral horses in Italy. Um, And the horses were all ranging from like one to 23. And they were all like pretty stable herds that had well-established hierarchies. Two of the herds had single like alpha stallions, right? And then one had an alpha stallion plus two like lower ranking uh, bachelors. So they studied those three herds at two different periods a year apart. The total observation time, you know, was several days, um, but it was about 15 hours per group. And they researchers like her team noted like each horse's kind of rank in the hierarchy and then documented two specific types of movements. And so she separated everything into herding behavior and departure behavior. So she defined herding behavior as like when one member of the group Uh, drives another from behind. And then the departures were defined as um, like one leaves and others follow. So uh, what they found is that the alpha stallions were the main contributor, I guess, of the herding behavior. So they were the ones that were going to get behind the other horses and move them. But the departure behavior was mostly mares. And it was also mares of any rank would initiate that kind of behavior. So not just one specific individual lead mare. Um, all the mares, it just was dependent on the situation. So the overarching moral of the story, I guess, is that leadership is shared. And she kind of made a comment about um, the training industry and how, you know, this idea and 
theme of, you know, being the boss, being the lead mayor of your horse is not necessarily the kind of leader um, that your horse would want to follow. Interesting. That is kind of, it's kind of cool to, to learn more about that, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. And I think it's definitely, definitely interesting. I don't think I've ever heard someone tell me to be like the lead mayor for my horse. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I've definitely, you know, always, I mean, gosh, like, you know, I always attributed, you know, mayor's kind of nasty behavior was like, oh, they're used to being the one in charge, mm-hmm. which they are. They're still in charge of a lot. It's just that they actually are like sister wives in like the herd. They share exactly. their responsibilities. So. So what have you got, Justine? Well, so mine kind of feeds off of Jess's news. Obviously, you all know I live in Florida, so I know when everyone is here for a horse show season and yeah, 100% Ocala is full. It's bustling. Like, it, you can't get into WEC anymore. Like, they are so full for the whole season. Um, but it's awesome to see the Horse Park, um, Three Lakes, you know, Sweet Dixie, all the various eventing venues are full. And, like, the show season is rocking. Like, Majestic Oaks had, you know, they do um, schooling shows through the week in between, you know, their rated horse trials. And those schooling shows are huge right now because there's just so many people in town here to horse show but i wanted to i wanted to share some horse show results recently down at terra nova which i know we talked about terra nova the the newer facility which is north of wellington south of ocala very close to me uh when we had doug on at the last episode but terra nova you know they're really trying to be a major player here in florida and they're they're getting some big names come into town uh kent farrington was just there last week for their fei week um and he he won on a relatively new mare for him in the ring. He's only running her, only showed her a few times. And uh, they won the FEI two star, uh, which was like a meter forty five Grand Prix at Terra Nova. Which you know that's a big deal to see someone like Kent Farrington, you know, hoof it up the road to you know up to Sarasota for Terra Nova. So it's pretty uh, awesome. I've yeah. heard it, the venue is beautiful. It really is. It's gorgeous. I know Lady Ashker's um, spending her winter based out of there. And like, it's in a good location if you want to bus down to Wellington or if you want to bus north to Ocala. Uh, yeah. Like I know Lainey's made it down to Wellington with some of her dressage horses, even though she's really keeping her fleet there in at Terra Nova. So it's very cool. I'm really, I'm just really excited to see how this venue is going to grow and just sort of where it fits into the, you know, the expanding Florida landscape. But yeah, Kent Farrington, he's, you know, he was there, he rode, he won. Um, that is pretty darn cool. And I hope Jess, you guys, it sounds like you guys might stop by in the spring when they have their next event. Yes. No, I mean, Terra Nova, we've talked about coming and trying to like do it. And I'm really excited because I've heard that next year that they are going to actually um, put in more kind of like housing and stuff so that we yeah. get more kind of options. So I'm really excited that we can kind of do that because that's kind of the downfall the of Sarasota right, right now. now is like that yeah. there's nowhere really to stay. And so we're hoping that Derek Braun puts on a lot of the shows there and we were hoping to make um, an appearance this spring and stuff like that. And we're still trying to figure it out, but no, we are, um, we're definitely eager to kind of come see the facility because I've heard it's top of the notch, like amazing. So I'm really excited. We will make our way there eventually, but don't know when, but I'm excited because yeah. it's, it's going to be a great addition to 
a venue that will put on eventing, show jumping, everything. And um, they've really, I've heard, taken up a lot of planning and everything else to make a great venue happen. So we will be there at some point. Yeah. I mean, that is definitely the big, the big stickler right now for them is um, it's technically within Mayaka city, which is a very rural part of Sarasota County. And it, it is a hike to like the highway, the main highway, and then the beaches and everything that you, you know, when you think of Sarasota and the town is a hike on the other side of the interstate on the coast. So you're right. There's not really a good place to stay, but, um, yeah. I'm, you know, obviously they know that. So they're working on it and we'll, no, they're working on it and they're doing a great job. And I mean, they're still in hindsight, so new as a venue. And exactly. so they're doing everything they can. And, uh, we're really looking forward to it. It's just, you know, at high this season when you're in Sarasota and there's already polo and stuff there, it kind of gets hard. Oh, definitely. Yep. So we'll see, but very cool to have someone as big as Kent Farrington stop by. Absolutely. So we just want to give a shout out to everyone who donates to our Patreon page. You guys really help keep the show in the air and keep us going. We try to keep the content we publish on Patreon exclusively for those who donate as fresh as possible. So if you weren't able to attend and listen into our really wonderful horses, money and ambition panel discussion we had earlier this month, this is a great time to donate on Patreon because then you could get access to the recording of that event. We had a super great group of panelists, people from all different backgrounds who ride, who manage families and kids and very demanding careers with their with their goals in horse sport. Uh, again, that recording will be available on our Patreon page. And if you want to donate, you can go to patreon.com slash heels down. All right, guys. So I have a quick product review this week, and I'm kind of curious to see what y'all think, because it's a little, um, I don't want to say off the beaten path, but definitely not something that a product you would think of for the types of disciplines that, you know, we ride and what we talk about mostly on the show. So, um, I bought a pair of flex boots from uh, this this company called Flex Horse Boots USA. Um, they are hoof boots for barefoot horses. And I sort of stumbled into this um, because, I, as you know, I have the off-track horse, Wyatt, who I've had for just a couple of months. And we are trying to, to set him up for success with, uh, with his feet. He, he came to us off the track with glued on racing plates and, you know, his feet are a mess. Like, let's be real. They're just like a super hot mess. It's going to be, it's a long game to get them under control. So we pulled the racing plates off, but we, I mean, we left them on for like two cycles, just trying to hope his foot would grow a little bit. And when we pulled them off, it revealed some pretty obvious challenges for my farrier, just that he's got no heel. He's got no soul. He really has no hoof wall. I mean, all very typical thoroughbred off the track problems. Like he's like a very stereotypical thoroughbred. Anyways, um, so the the dilemma was, do we try to stick a shoe on him now and see how that holds? You know, when the glue came off from those racing plates, they took a good chunk of hoof with it. My farrier didn't think his hooves were healthy enough to hold a nail. So he just trimmed him. And we hoped for the best, but, you know, after a couple of weeks, he became pretty ouchy, which, you know, makes sense given the condition of his feet. So I, you know, 
He's on a well-balanced diet. I added some supplements to probably to kind of help with the hoof growth for now. And I'm just topically treating his his feet with a couple different products. But um, and we're just going to just try to hope that they grow out. But while he's been a little ouchy, you know, obviously you don't want to ride a lame horse. And he's telling me he's lame with the poor condition of his feet. Um, we were looking for alternatives. So a boarder in my barn uses these boots. Um, she has a paint mare that she rides dressage, but she uses these boots for when she goes on trail rides just to give her barefoot hooves a little bit more protection on uneven terrain and like going over, you know, rocky terrain or roots, that kind of thing. Um, so she offered them to me and luckily they fit well enough that I could, you know, lunge Wyatt a little bit in them and just see how they fit. And they made a huge difference in, in his soundness. They just clearly were enough cushion that they gave his poor feet a break, you know, in the arena or on the grass or on the farm. So I called Lindy, who is the U.S. rep for this company, who was super great to work with. Uh, you know, there are many of these types of barefoot horse boots out there. Uh, so obviously flex boots aren't the only ones. I I um, loved talking to Lindy just because she's based here in Tampa. And so she represents the all U.S. sales and just happened to be in town. So, you know, that was great. But, you know, there's a little bit of a learning curve if you're interested in these boots. Um, you have to have pretty exact measurements and measure the width and the length of the hooves in certain ways. Your rep likes to see just, you know, like a, a good side and front view of the hoof on the ground just to get a general overview of its shape. So I, um, I worked through all of those with Lindy and she sent me a pair of boots and they're like magic. I mean, they've solved my problem for, for now. Right. Um, I'm hoping one day his feet will grow out, out of needing the boots, but they are keeping him sound. We don't have to worry about losing shoes or pulling off a lot of that new hoof growth because of a, you know, a shoe coming off. Um, you know, I don't think they're legal, like to show USDF or probably USCF. Um, so when it comes time to horse show for real, you know, I'm hoping Wyatt will will likely be shod for real by then. But you know, these are just a great resource, and I think all they're well made. They're really easy to put on and off. Um, they're, they seem super durable. They can get wet. Um, they're very easy to clean out with just the hose and a brush. So I really recommend them. You know, I'm happy to shoot some video and share with you guys if you want to see them up close. But um, they've been a really wonderful investment so far. Yeah, my friend actually who had kind of a similar situation, she actually worked at a a place in New York that bred uh, racehorses. Mm -hmm. And when she um, had her kids, she, you know, retired from there and got, you know, a non-horsey job. Um, and she ended up getting one of their horses that had raced, um, not quite as long as Wyatt, but had raced for a long time and she had the same issues and she's, um, trying to do like that. I don't remember what it's called, but she's doing some big endurance race with him. Like he's becoming oh, cool. her great endurance horse, but same thing. And she uses these for her trail rides because she's like to shoe him. Like, I guess he just is a chronic shoe puller and that yep. he would just destroy his feet. You know, I mean, when they pull it and it's not sprung already, they, they destroy their feet. So, oh, yeah. and I've used, I've used stuff like it. Like when a horse, like I have those, you know, Cavallo boots for when Berkeley pulls a shoe and my farrier can't be out until like, 
you know, the next day. So yeah. I can still throw him out. I just put that on. I'm like, go outside. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I hope they work for Wyatt. I've heard really good things about them. My friend Kate, she swears by them. Yeah. I mean, I, I I've got to say I'm really impressed. You know, I've never really been someone who's like got a really hard stance on the barefoot Vershad argument. I just, you know, I'm always going to do whatever is best for the horse that I have you know, and what their, what their needs are of the day. So um, if he can stay barefoot, that's great. If he, you know, if he needs the shoes, which I think he probably will eventually, uh, you know, I have no problem with that. I, I, I have a farrier that I really admire and trust in. Um, when I told him about these, he was like, that's a great idea for now. And like for us, we're in the dry season for Florida. Like it's really, this is the do or die time to really try to help him grow his feet before it's, it's so wet. And we don't want him, I don't want his foot to essentially crumble away by pulling shoes all, you know, all summer long when it's real wet. So, um, for now they're, they're great. I wouldn't call them super pricey, but they are an investment. And I was concerned about that. Like, oh man, I don't want to spend money on these boots and like use them for a week and that's it. Um, but I'm just really impressed with how durable they are. I think I'll have them forever. Um, you know, whether, however long white needs them or however long I, I ride in them, but I've jumped in, I've taken dressage lessons in the arena. We've gone down the trail on them. He's crossed a river in them. I mean, they're, they're super durable. I'm, I couldn't be more pleased. Yeah. I mean, and you could always, you know, if he ends up being like one of those horses, you can seasonally pull his shoes. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people up here, right. Do it in the winter. Um, but like a lot of people use these types of things for that exact purpose is that so they can pull the shoes when they don't need them and let the foot grow and then still protect the foot. That makes sense. I mean, and they sell all these accessories, like you can add pads, um, to the, you know, inside of the bottom of the boot, you can add rivets that like give you some traction in the snow and ice, which I think is really interesting. Like they're all different types of, um, additions you can you can use and I, I could see why they're so popular on you know with an endurance crowd and but I you know I think they're definitely reasonable and useful for, no matter what discipline you ride so if you want to check them out the website is flex l f l e x boots usa.com so guys uh earlier this month uh Patricia and I uh, uh, as part of heels down we hosted this really awesome panel discussion with um, a panel of five different horsewomen who have careers, who have families. Um, some of them have had newborn babies. Some of them had multiple kids that were in college now. Some were single and had no kids at all, but were entrepreneurs and had their hands in multiple businesses. Um, but the, the common denominator among all of them were that they were very serious about their commitment to their horses and their commitment to the sport and that they competed and they had goals to move up. They had goals to, you know, make it to nationals. They yada, yada, yada. They had, they were serious horse riding amateurs and at Heels Down hosted this really wonderful panel discussion with these speakers, just trying to get to the bottom of like, how, how do you manage it all? Right. Cause I feel like it's a universal truth in that no matter what level you ride at, if you're not doing this professionally, you know, it's really hard to keep up with the day to day. I mean, even if you do it professionally, riding horses all day, then going home to your kids, uh, you know, that's just, it's just a lot. So it was a really, 
inspiring conversation, to be honest. Um, it was very cool just to kind of find that common ground with other women and go, oh man, that makes me feel so much better that you've experienced that too, right? Like I'm not alone in this with knowing that you don't want to just survive, right? You want to be successful in horse sport and in your life, whether, you know, that's like career aspirations or family aspirations. Um, but it's very easy to feel exhausted, right? So I just, you know, both of you, I admire both of you too, and your commitment to your horses and your families and everything else you've got going on in your life. And I just, I thought some of the same questions and discussions um, we had in that panel just apply here too. So I don't know, Ellie, why don't, what sacrifices do you feel like you've had to make to have horses <laughs> in your life? Because right, like all of you them, have to, <laughs> exactly. You have to give yeah. up something, especially I think of you and Matt, like out on the farm, like obviously you guys made sacrifices to, to make that happen. Yeah. So, I mean, so for me, um, like not to be like a Debbie down or anything, but for me, like I probably can't have kids. Um, so for me, like that is not something I have to worry about, which is a blessing and a curse. I'm sure at some point later in life when I feel like I want to have kids, then I'll be sad about it. But right now I'm like, yeah, but I can't just like put my kid out in an electric fenced pasture and say, have a nice day. So, <laughs> so I don't not disappointed about that right now, but in terms of the sacrifices, it it's tough because I mean, I think it just goes for anybody that has a full-time job that's not horses. You know, I mean, even if you're not physically tired, even if you're working in front of a computer all day, right, you're mentally exhausted by the end of the day. So it's just hard to kind of balance all of that. I mean, so Matt and I, um, I mean, right, Matt's an accountant. So right now he's working six days a week. Um, and he comes home between like eight and nine o'clock Monday through Saturday. So Sunday is his only day off and I make him clean the stalls <laughs> because it's the only day I don't have to clean. The it's stalls. your only day off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's your only day off. And so it's my only day to not have to shovel horse poop. Um, but, uh, I mean, so it's definitely a sacrifice. Like, you know, he can't go out with his coworkers after work. Cause he's like, no, nah, I'm going to feel really bad if Ellie has to do all this stuff alone or especially during, you know, hay season, like we have to change everything around. Like, it's like, I've got to take vacation at the same time you have to take vacation and we have to hope the weather is good. Um, but like for me, I work as a graphic designer now, like that's my, my real time job with like, you know, um, benefits. <laughs> um, but like my actual degree and everything is in uh, book publishing and specifically that design and like editorial. And I had a lot of opportunities um, and a couple really good job offers that were for jobs based in New York City. Uh, granted, this was before COVID. So who knows if now they're, you know, remote or what have you. Um, but uh, so I kind of had to sacrifice what I really wanted to do as like an actual career because it's not possible to, you know, have a farm like for what we have. I mean, if you're looking at somewhere you could get into the city, you know, you're looking at Connecticut, you know, Massachusetts, those areas to have what I have in Pennsylvania, I wouldn't be able to even remotely afford it. Not even um, close. Yeah. No, I mean, not, it's just, it wouldn't be possible. So I guess, and I don't 
kind of recommend that. I think it probably should have gone the other way. I probably should have said, okay, maybe I'll stick with just boarding my horses and not buy a farm oh boy. Um, and get like a, like a really good job and like pay bills, but I didn't. <laughs> um, so, but, so that was a kind of a sacrifice, but I mean, I do like my job. It's just not, you know, what I would really love to be doing outside of horses. So I guess that would be my my sacrifice that and like sleep and yeah the not boarding thing i think i think boarding was my biggest life regret (laughs) is i i should have done that or like been able to magically afford uh to be able to pay someone to do my horse chores but i'm sure jess probably has a better uh person to answer that question because you've got a whole shindig well jess i was I feel like you're so busy. Like, I feel like I like just with your schedule on the road and the way the kids come. And I mean, I feel like you're an excellent person to ask, like, what is your best time management tip? Because you guys, between you and Doug, I don't know how you guys get everything done. So for me, I'm, I'm honestly a very organized person. That's just like my natural thing is that I'm very organized. I actually have a like old school calendar book that has my days blocked out that I then can take notes in. I do all of our billing as well. And so then I'll like make notes in there. We also have a color coded calendar that is electronic because Doug is more of like, I mean, you guys could guess it. He's like the tech gadgety want a person. So (laughs) our calendar is linked within our barn. And so everybody can get it. There's probably off the top of my head, probably eight different calendars on there. And it's broken down into jumper shows, lessons, events, the barn, uh, Doug and Jess, my personal calendar, because it has like random stuff as well. And it's blocked in and you can see it. And we have access that um, certain calendars are linked with the girls and certain calendars are linked with just Doug and I. And we can see that. And Every day is like, you know, very kind of structured. We get up and the kids um, are very good. They, you know, they don't go to school right now. And so the nanny comes and helps them. And so we have a huge team. But I think the best time management is like breaking it down and doing little bits of a day. If you wanted to like get 20 things accomplished in a day, I'd write a list that says, this week, you know, before I go here, I need to do X, Y, and Z. And it might have 20 or 40 things on it. But I know realistically, I cannot do 20 to 40 things. So I write like the top three things that have to get done that Monday. And I do it per week. And so I kind of manage everything and all of my stuff is organized. It's all in one place. But don't think you have to do it all. Do little bits at a time. And that has been the best thing for me, especially management, is not expecting yourself to do 20 things on the list. Be happy if you get three or four things done and do it kind of in a system that you can then say, I want to do a couple more if you get to it or be happy with a three to four. I feel like that's the way how I have to like get improvements done around the farm. It's like, oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Let's start by kind of doing the fence on this one pasture. (laughs) Because, well, you get defeated too. What I found is like I you know, used to think I was like Wonder Woman, that I could do it all, right? And I'd be like, I can get all 20 of those three things done. And I'd be like, 
so defeated that I got 15 of them done. And I was like, looking back, I'm like, how did I get 15 of them done? Like, that's a miracle. And so if you start fighting off smaller bits, you don't get discouraged because like then I'd be discouraged for like a couple days and then it'd get me back in the groove of like having to get back at it. So then if I just do three to five every day, by the time four days happened, I actually got it done faster than, you know, being discouraged and like getting down on myself and being like, oh, I only got one or two done the next couple days. So like putting yourself realistic goals and like doing small bits has been the best thing for me. Yeah. Time management. That makes sense to me. I mean, but you're, you're right in that it is so easy to feel overwhelmed or even guilty. So that's a question I have for both of you too. How do you not feel guilty about like not making it to the barn after like a hell, like just a hellish day or, you know, at the end of the day, we're like, God, like part, I, I needed to make time to ride my horse, but just life got in the way. Like I, I struggle with that. I feel guilty. And then, then I feel anxious until the next day when I can get to the barn. How do you guys handle it? For me, for me, that happens, right? I've got two kids, they're running around, the nanny couldn't do it. And realistically, I was going to ride three and then the morning got in and, you know, it all doesn't happen. And I just have to like, take a step back and say, look, like I had to do the priority of what happened today. And I got through that and I need to be happy with that and know that the horses don't need to be ridden. I mean, we talked about this, like being okay (laughs) with taking a winter break. The horses don't have to be ridden seven days a week. Absolutely not. They'll be totally fine. But knowing like, okay, yeah, I really wanted to get on that young horse. Like, you know, that now Doug will be breaking because of my broken leg to finish (laughs) off. But I would just be like, look, I got everything I could today and I didn't get to my four-year-old. Like, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. And like taking a step back and realizing all the stuff you did accomplish that day that you really needed to do or saying, okay, I don't want to ride. Like a lot of times, like I'll be so frustrated because I'll be overwhelmed and I like really want to flat them because they really need to do this. But you know what? Sometimes just going on like a 15 minute hack to clear my head gets me in a better mood too. So it's like the guilt of not riding or the guilt of like not doing it at the end of the day, they're going to be okay for what we're doing. Like they're going to be fine. So if you need to take the 15 minute hack or you don't need, or you don't get to the barn that day, like for me, it's like, look at all the stuff you did accomplish that day and be happy with it so that you can be in a better mindset to go forward the next day. That's good advice. Ellie, do you have any advice? I mean, so I never get to not go to the barn. (laughs) Um, <laughs> she's like hoping the day comes. She's still waiting for that day. <laughs> she's praying every day for that day. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but, but hey, Sundays happen. Sundays yes, happen. Yes, Sundays happen. Um, and there are a couple times, like when I, you know, have doctor's appointments and stuff, that Matt takes care of things, and I get to spend like one night, and I don't have to feed the horses. And I'm like, wow, is this what? like for most people. Um, but in all seriousness, like, I think like what Jess said, you know, I don't feel guilty about it because they don't care at all. As long as they're going outside and they're eating, they don't care. Happy. <laughs> so, they don't care if I ride them. They're probably happier than I'm not. <laughs> and they're not having to work. Day, I said, go give him a treat. He'll be happy that he get, she got a treat from you today. She's like, that's, she couldn't make it out. And it was like one of those days and it was crazy. And I was like, just go give her a treat. Like we rode her this morning. She's totally fine. And 
you know, at the end of the day, client didn't, the client was happy, but the horse was so happy to see her with a bag of carrots. That's all she wanted. Exactly. (laughs) What about you, Justine? I mean, you have a demanding job. Uh, yeah, I do. I do. And so there are just some days where everything is impossible, you know? Um, how do you stay motivated to ride and get up even like when it's crazy at work? You know, like that, I mean, the horse time, like you guys know, it's like, that is my piece, you know? So yeah. like, especially after a long work day, like that's immediately what I want to do is like, yeah. just go ride and not think about it. And, um, focus, focus on what makes me happy, which is riding. And, um, like you, Jess, I'm a very, I tend to be a very organized, very type A person. Part of what I love about horses is goal setting. You know, it doesn't have to be related to horse shows, but obviously that's a, it's an easy goal, you know, when talking about competition, but just like having goals for me and my horse. It, so I always feel like I have something to work on. Like what's the next piece of that puzzle? What's the next chapter? whether we're learning something new or trying to move up or trying to improve on something. So that's generally the motivation for me to keep going. I'm someone who definitely experiences FOMO. Like, and I'll tell you this last year with Mikey being out, like it has been really hard for me to be like, I have like, my goal is just to like get my damn horse sound. But, and that's the first time in my life I've ever had to experience that. And I'll be honest, there was a point in all that where Alex, like my husband came to me and told me like, I should consider seeing a therapist because he felt like I was grieving, you know, I was like grieving the end of this partnership. So it plays like a mental toll on you. And I I think that's important to talk about sometimes like we put so much of ourselves and into this, right, Um, that it's okay to be like, holy cow, who am I without horses? I, I don't know. I don't know who I am. So I've always been a very motivated person. Um, and I will say like with, with the Mikey rehab, it has taught me a lot about myself. It's taught me like things that I want to improve on just personally, like how I handle stress and how I handle certain things. But if there's one thing that has ever been true about me, it's just like, I, I need horses in my life I just you know what I mean like it's just so important and that that drive to get better and to do more and to explore more with horses you know in and out of the show ring never faltered even when I didn't have a horse to ride you know like I was constantly seeking out opportunities anywhere because I just had this hole hole to fill you know um so I think, yeah, I think I'm, I'm learning to be kinder to myself. Like it's okay if you're not going to meet th- this goal by this date or if things are going to take longer. Cause I always feel like, oh gosh, if Mikey didn't get hurt, I would be like riding second level by now or, you know what I mean? And I, that's not healthy to do that either. So it's a constant balance, but I, I am an organized person and I think that helps. I am a goal, um, goal oriented person. And I think that helps too, but yeah, life does get in the way sometimes and you just got to like come home and drink drink a glass of wine and just be like, well, we're going to write this one off and and tomorrow's a new day. Right. So I don't know if that's helpful to anybody, but, but yeah, I just, just know that I know the feeling of when you're like, man, why am I behind or why can't I, I like, I wish I was farther along or doing this by now. Like that is very, that is a very normal thing to feel. For sure. I, yeah, my Matt and I have this big joke. Um, and like if it's something that needs to get done 
but maybe don't have enough time and you know or it's like if I want to like I really want to ride all four horses this week and Matt will always say 10-year plan (laughs) and I'm like (laughs) and and like I know it's a joke you know I mean he says the same thing about like when I don't do the laundry (laughs) um so I I know it's a joke but it but it is kind of nice to just be like it, it doesn't have to happen right now you right. know everything is a process you know it's uh what is that what is that miley cyrus song you know it's it's the climb right yeah yeah oh, i can't true, really just reference that um i apologize to all our listeners <laughs> <laughs> your horse has unique feed needs and purina has you covered from breeding and growing to senior horses then performance horses to easy keepers and everything in between purina has an extensive profile of research-backed options for your horse there's no shortcuts for quality nutrition cheaper isn't cheaper if it doesn't work put their research to the test find optimal nutrition at any level at your local purina retailer or visit purinamills.com to learn more so speaking of purina and horse feed I found this great article and stuff like this on basically like calculating horse feed and what are we actually saving money because at the end of the day, you know, sometimes we just buy the cheap bag and hope that it's the best. And sometimes that's not really the case. And so I wanted to talk to you guys on like some of your kind of tips on how to save money at the feed store because I recently have now been to a second feed store that has done this where Um, if you buy 10 to 12 bags, the two different stores I went to, I think were both different. One had 10, one had 12, but they were both Purina. We feed Purina. But if you bought 10 or 12 bags of the Purina grain, one of them, I think had Neutrina as well, then you get a bag free. And I was like, that's amazing. Like I have to feed this anyways. That's what my horses eat. So I didn't know if you guys had seen other kind of tricks and trades of how to save money at the feed store. Is that like a local feed store by, or was it like a tractor supply, Jess? Um, so for me personally, I did it. So I know Aiken Saddlery does it for, I think Purina and I know they do it for Purina. And then I think they do it for triple crown or Neutrina. Don't quote me on that, but, um, they do it where you sign up for their rewards program and they have a great rewards program anyways at Aiken Saddlery. And so you do it and you plug in your phone number, they, calculate it and stuff and they keep track. And then every theirs was, um, and don't quote me if I'm wrong, but I think theirs was every 10 bags of any Purina grain. Like we feed Omelene 500 and Ultium gastric care. Then you got an additional bag. And then I was just down in Wellington at Red Barn. And every time you bag a certain bag of grain, like I think theirs was 10 bags. And I think Aiken mistakenly was 12, but I, it's somewhere in that order. I'm not exactly sure, but at Red Barn you did where if you bought that specific bag, it didn't do all of Purina. So if I bought 10 bags of the Ultium gastric care, I got a bag for free and same with the old Omelene 500. And I buy a lot of grain. I mean, we have a ton of horses, so it kind of racked up. So those two in particular were very nice that they both did it. Um, their rewards programs were a little bit more specific to that, but it was definitely, you put in your phone number, you sign up for their rewards and you get um, free bags. And that was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, That is a good perk. I wish tractor supply had that good of a deal. 
they make it like, oh, if you buy 20 bags, you can get 5% off. I'm like, oh, you know, this was a whole bag. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. yeah and, it, and it varied, you know, like their terms and stuff, but it was still a whole bag of grain free. And it was really nice. Yeah. I mean, with the cost of grain right now, that goes a long uh, way. Yeah. I was like, great. God. I looked at something. So I have an Excel spreadsheet. Okay. That is like the cost <laughs> that it keeps like basically what it costs me for every horse. And sometimes I have to relook at it to be like, look, see, I'm saving money, not boarding. But, um, I looked and at it the other day, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Um, but so, um, I looked at this the other day, the grain I feed. So I, I feed uh, Neutrina safe choice senior. And when I bought my farm in 2019, it was $18 a bag. It is now, Twenty eight ninety nine. It's it literally yeah. has jumped that much in no time. Oh, you know, no. it's nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. So I think, uh, and but Neutrina does do this um thing while they do uh like plaid points. Um, so you can get like money off um like each. I don't know how it exactly works, um, but they have this website where you can get like merch from them. Like I actually got over the summer um, some corn, like a like really nice, like, uh, you know, regulation size cornhole set. Oh, wow. um, oh. yeah. From them, because I had like 60,000 points because I buy grain all the freaking time. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, and they have that and then they also have like you know, 600 points, you save 10 bucks, you know, I mean, so it's not a lot, but I mean, it does help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 10 bucks is 10 bucks, right? The other thing that I found that I found, um, so we started feeding a better quality hay and then we could feed less grain and different, uh, different quality grain. So like, that's what we looked at too, when talking about spreadsheets and everything else is that sometimes like looking at feeding the cheaper grain whatever, even within Purina or whatever else is that I was then going to have to feed more of the grain right. and then it was going to cost me more. And so then I went to, and I really, um, went and did a specific thing and met with the nutritionist and stuff like that, that we were like, okay, look, if we feed the old TM gastric care that has the gastric care in it, it's cheaper than buying the outlast to add to it. It's cheaper than doing an omeprazole. It's cheaper than doing all this. So all of that supplement was in the grain and it was cheaper if I just did that as a bigger way. And so we actually feed kind of like a higher quality grain so I can feed less of it with a higher quality hay that then maybe, yeah, the bag price is a tiny bit more specific. Like, But you're buying less bags, yeah. But I'm buying a whole lot less bags because I'm feeding a whole lot less which if I'm feeding a whole lot less, it's better for their stomach. And so it kind of was this whole trickle effect of like, let's break it down and make sure that is what's actually going to happen. Right. And I think that's, I think that's a really good point. Cause I, um, I see that among friends, you know, as someone who, you know, owns two horses, so I'm only feeding two. I'm not, I'm not, I don't need to buy 10 bags at a time. Right. Uh, nor do I have like any way to store that. I do see like friends and fellow competitors and stuff that do that where they're like, well, I just can't afford to buy this whatever bag of feed because it's so expensive, but they're feeding so much in weight of the grain, like two to three times a day. Like their horses are getting so many pounds of It's so expensive. I'm like, 
You're and going it's through like, four well, bags as I'm going right, through one. Exactly. You're you're going through, the, and then you have to supplement for what that um, maybe lesser, you know, the cheaper price tag bag of feed just doesn't have, right? Mm. Like the Outlast is a great example. So then you're supplementing on top of your feed, where if you just bought the higher quality grain, you wouldn't have so, to feed so much of it. It would already have the nutrients you're looking for. So you don't have to buy so many supplements to well, add. We don't buy many supplements, to be honest. Like our prices yeah, are not on a lot of supplements. Like but, we but don't a lot have of to people, supplement them who feed like 10 different supplements. Oh, and it's just they, like, if you're feeding a complete feed, your horse should be getting all nearly all the nutrients they're supposed to be no, getting. No, we have clients that come in yeah. with like buckets full and I'm like, okay, we're getting rid of that supplement, that supplement, that supplement. Like, and we just <laughs> right. like wean them off. And I'm like, none of ours are on any of that. <laughs> like, and, and they're the like running twice as hard. Is like people go, you know, like people, new people come to the barn or, um, and, you know, I, there are plenty of amateurs who are in programs where their trainers make a lot of the feeding decisions for them. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm just the helicopter hovering parent that needs to know everything. And I, I think it's just important as a horse person to know what your horse is eating, of course. But so many people just go, what do you mean weight? I don't know how many pounds my horse eats. I just know they get the, you know, the usual scoop and it's like one and a half (laughs) twice a day. And okay, there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like if you want to know more, I think this is a good thing for you to understand how many pounds of hay and grain your horses get and how does that convert from your scoop, right? Because a bag, uh, a scoop of something like Purina Senior or Triple Crown Senior, which is more beet pulp based and so it's a little bit lighter and airier, is going to be a lot less dense than say like Purina Ultium, which is like a strictly a pellet where it's a little bit heavier of a, you know what I mean? And that, that makes a big difference in terms of how many pounds of feed your horse is getting. Cause if you're eating the senior, you're probably going to eat a little bit more of that than you would a more dense pelleted feed. And I just, I think that that really plays a role because we've shared stories recently in the spark about how most people feed, um, less concentrated feeds. Um, like, like they're not feeding to the level that's recommended on the bags. Yeah. And how many pounds. And I think that is just because people don't take the time to convert what they're feeding to pounds, which, you know, if your horse is losing condition or uh, especially when they're when they're working and you're trying to keep them fit, like calories are important. And so I'm like, I'm one of the I get my hay t- tested and in Florida, it could be really hard to find um, to get the same quality of hay all the time. And Um, you know, we buy from the same dealer guy, but he buys from different farmers depending on drought in certain regions and different farms and what are the best deals. So sometimes it's an orchard alfalfa mix. Sometimes it's a Timothy alfalfa mix. Sometimes it comes from the Midwest. Sometimes it comes from out West. Sometimes it comes from Canada. Those are all very different growing situations. That's very different grass needs. First cut to second cut to third cut. Like the sugar levels are very different. So I test my hay. So I know what my horse is getting, but I, I do feel like feeding a high quality forage is, is probably the number one thing that I think has helped th- uh, someone who owns thoroughbreds. That is the number one important thing, um, over my grain. I think that the higher quality forage is really important. And if you can't, if you're in a place like me where it's hard to get consistent forage, you could always switch to pellets or add, you know, pelleted forage like alfalfa pellets, Timothy pellets, to just add in that protein or whatever you feel like 
is missing in your routine. And I do feel like that's something that tends to be like price wise, stay the same. Like, I don't feel like that's jumped in price, like how we've seen grain prices go up so high. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's gone up a little bit with diesel, um, but that is to be expected, right? Because in order to make hay, you need a tractor and all that jazz. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think people really don't take enough of that into consideration. Like I've got three horses in the barn that literally only get a handful of feed just so they don't get angry that everyone else is eating grain um, because of our hay. And like the senior uh, retirement boarder that I have here, right, he's mid to late 20s. And he came here and he was on four, no, it was four pounds a day. So two pounds in the morning, two pounds at night of a like heavy senior feed. And then um, in addition to like a hay extender pellet, And now that he's on like better quality hay, you know, and we just have a mixed like orchard grass. I mean, we do our own hay. Right. But now that he's on better hay, he literally eats one pound twice a day. And that's it. You know, so I just it makes it makes a big difference. It all comes around. Absolutely. Right. So I don't know. There are definitely ways to save, but at the end of the day, if you want a horse, it costs a lot to feed them. But, yeah. um, but I, you know, the, uh, the only other thing to consider for both of you, I mean, you guys are in places where like the grass is actually like has some nutrients to it. It's not like Florida grass is so bad, but, like horses can't live off of grass here, but like, especially you, Ellie, like, I know you bail your own hay every year. Like, how do you maintain your pasture to make sure you're, you're, you're growing the best, most nutrient dense grass that you can like how do you are do you have to fertilize you know on the off season and just you too like how do you guys maintain your pastures because i feel like that is a whole other part of this that can be really important depending on where you live so i don't i don't use any kind of fertilizer um i will spread like my manure like from like so right now we've got a you know a poop pile um from like all winter And we'll let that and we'll, you know, rotate it and get that really kind of mulchy for about a year, year and a half. And then we'll spread it out on our pastures and on the hay fields as well. And that's mostly kind of just to get rid of it. (laughs) Um, The seed from the hay, when you feed your horse hay, actually is still in their poop. That's what the, you know, that's what if you ever see birds picking at horse poop, that's what they're, that's what they're getting at. Um, so that kind of helps just to keep, you know, keep Keep growing growing. what you've been growing. Right. So that's what I do in the pastures. Um, that's what I do in the, uh, hay fields. But in addition to that, the only other thing I do is I do have to sometimes like when we rotate our winter pastures, um, especially this year, I'm going to need to do it just since there hasn't been snow and they've been eating the grass down so much that it's like, it's nothing. So I'll go buy some seed um, and I will reseed one of the pastures. Usually, I mean, I just let it rest basically until fall, winter. I mean, ideally you'd let it rest till spring, but I don't do that because I don't like to put them out in the winter when I have to walk far. (laughs) I like them close to the house in the winter because it's cold. Um, so, So that's what I do to kind of make sure all that is good. Um, And then uh, we do test our hay as well. Um, you know, and it's, I'm hoping it'll be a good, 
you know, year for it. It's a uh, touch and go. Like last year was a really good year for Hay. The year before, super dry, super terrible. Like all of the horses just, you know, it was it was stockier and it just wasn't great. So they all kind of, we had to boost their grain and hay extender more because the hay just wasn't as good a quality. And that, unfortunately, so much of that is weather, weather dependent. Um, so I've had to buy, I've, there's been a couple of times where I bought loads of hay to supplement our hay um, because... You know, you can't cut hay if it's raining. You can't cut hay. There's a lot of variables to it. So we're lucky that we got good this year. And we always get, we try to get um, way more than we need. So the the ballpark estimate, right, for like a, you know, a small square bale. So let's say a 50 pound square bale, right? If you're, you're talking just general kind of bare minimum bones of it, a standard like thousand pound horse would be eating, you know, four bales, um, you know, maybe three bales uh, a day, right? And so we do pretty small bales too. So usually it's four bales a day. But so when we do that, right, so we, we've got seven horses on the property. So if you did the math, I'm not going to do it because my brain, um, but we always try to get like, we fill our hay barn like to the max, um, so that way we can keep, especially when it's a good year, we try to fill it as much as we can um, to kind of weight us over. Because um, hay doesn't, it doesn't, as long as it's stored properly, it doesn't go bad. It, the nutritional value that it loses, it loses in the first six months. So it's not going to lose anymore if you wait and feed it next fall or next winter. Fun fact. That's oh, nice. All right, guys, it's time for Rose and Thorn. Who wants to go first? So you guys already know my thorn, um, but (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty sure there's nothing like this that I could top. So, um, what are you guys' rose and thorn or do you want me to go with my rose? Why don't you go? Yeah, you go. Okay. So on top of all this, um, with my knee and all that, or it's really my leg, but all that was that my rose would be that I got to actually, since I live on the second story, I got to reroute is that I've got to spend time with my mom and we rerouted to Aiken. And so I'm not sure that this is my mother's rose is that we've gotten to spend more time, but it's been super fun. Um, or Doug's rose, to be honest, is that we've left Doug at home. But for the last couple of weeks, my mom has been taking care of me and the kids, but it's been fun to spend quality time with her and everything else. So my rose is that in the midst of all this, um, I've gotten to like have more family time and stuff, which was fun. Yeah. You're yeah. finally not running all over the place. I'm not running everywhere. <laughs> I, I can't run anywhere to be honest. <laughs> so Justine, what is yours? Um, okay. So actually I have a rose that involves you, Jess. Um, okay. There is a, there's a new border. Well, okay. So my, the dressage barn where Mikey lives, um, Wyatt and Wyatt lives in the field across the street that I just rent with a friend. Um, but the dressage trainer has, uh, quite a few seasonal boarders who come down for the winter for the show season and just for training when the weather is good. And one of them is I, I met her last year, but this has been like my first full winter with her. Um, and she knows you, Jess. She's been telling me stories of oh God, uh, when you were in college, <laughs> you and Jimmy, um, Michelle Parkinson, has she oh lives gosh. in Alabama. Yeah. Yes. yeah. 
She's like, oh, I she's remember so... Jess and Jimmy when they were at Auburn, blah, blah, blah. She's been oh, my filming. gosh. Well, you have to say hi. She's so, so sweet. She is. She's wonderful. She's a wonderful human. So she's um she's in town. She stays for a couple months. Uh, well, she, fun. She lives in her trailer, like her horse trailer. Uh, yeah. At the Dodge Barn. So I just see her every day. And um, she, uh, she I just really got along with her really quickly. She like, is like such an amazing friends. human. Oh, that's so fun. I know. So I was telling her, I was like, oh, yeah, I have a call with Jess tonight. And she's like, better tell her I said hi. I tell her I said hi and I miss I her because she's she kept, so sweet. She's like, I still can't believe Jess has kids. Oh, no. <laughs> Everybody from like my other life is like, you're a mom. Yeah. <laughs> you have a husband. <laughs> you, you take care me. of them. <laughs> we were pretty <laughs> Um, Wyatt and a couple of young horses through a jump shoot we put together and she was telling us like, Oh, I remember when Jimmy brought Bellamy, you know, her yes. old five star horse yep, straight like, to Michelle's place in Alabama. Yeah. She's like, the first day we turned him out, he just jumped out of the pasture. Yeah, he was a monster. <laughs> yeah. 100%. She has all these fun stories about you guys. But she's um she's been just a like a fast she's friend. She's so very amazing. Sweet. Um and she like Mikey, so my Rose Rose is Michelle, but also um, Mikey had a really excellent ultrasound um, on Friday. That's awesome. Yeah. And the vet said, like, this is it. It's not going to look better than this. Like, we've reached the point of healing, you know? So, um, so that's great. But it's, you know, it's, we're still in a vulnerable time and it's still very slow to, you know, introduce turnout and, um, you know, getting him slowly like building strength under saddle to support that leg and new fibers and all that. But, um, the first day I finally got to turn the poor guy back outside, Michelle was there and I was like so nervous. And she just came out of her horse trailer with like a couple of beers and she's like, oh, yeah, need this. You're going to need this to watch this. <laughs> and, um, yeah, she's just like super nice. And I've just been grateful to get to know her. So I, she's my rose. Um, Aww. let's see my thorn beyond, you know, my broken foot from my horse stepping on it is, um, that happened. I took Wyatt out to his, um, first horse trial, not ridden just to like hang out tied to the trailer all day, see the sights. And he did really good. So, but, you know, the end of the day, he scrambled across my foot and now I'm limping around, but I'm still riding. I'm still getting around. So, you know, but I at guess... least he doesn't have shoes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but holy moly, I, you know, you forget what that's like. Cause you're like, you're around him all the time. So you're like, there's no way. And then something dumb happens and I'm like, wow, that really does hurt. So, um, but I guess uh, I haven't shared this on the actual podcast. I shared it with our Patreon subscribers first, but Wyatt is officially accepted for the thoroughbred maker nice. this year. So that's amazing. I know. So fingers crossed we make it. The, a lot can happen between now and October, but he's <laughs> off to a good start. And um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. You know, I'm excited. You should be. That is really exciting. Talk about goal-oriented, you know? So I'm sure um, right. you guys will get regular Thoroughbred updates uh, in the <laughs> podcasts to come. But what do you have, Ellie? I'm not going to share of Thorn this week because I'm on, on new antidepressants, and I feel great. No, I'm just kidding. Um, not about the antidepressants, <laughs> but because <laughs> I have two roses, okay? Okay. Um, so the first rose is kind of just a funny rose. So... Obviously, it was like Valentine's Day or whatever, right? And I tell Matt, like, like I don't want anything, but like I do want chocolate because 
I really like chocolate. Um, that's not like a Valentine's Day thing. That's just like a anytime you're at the grocery store, if you don't get me chocolate, you know. Right. You're going to. Yeah. Yeah. Gonna, you'll be, you'll be shunned. Yeah. So for but I was like, man, what am I going to get Matt for Valentine's Day? So I got him a pedicure <laughs> and he's never did he like it. He did. Yeah. Uh-huh. He he was really embarrassed at first. He was like, man, I don't want anyone to have to scrub my feet. They're so off. <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, no, no, like, it's okay. Like, I mean, you're, you're paying for a service and they'll charge us extra if they're terrible, <laughs> you know, like, um, I think you're really going to like it. And, and like, so it was a, like a massage chair, right? The whole nine yards. He was like, I want to get one of these for the house. Aww. <laughs> he's, oh, you turned him. Yeah. I'm like, oh God, now I sure hope he's not expecting this all the time. I was like, yeah, Matt, this will be a yearly thing. But he did also, I did make him get his toes painted because I thought he needed to have the full experience. What color Uh, did you make him get? Oh, I let him pick his color. He picked what color did he pick? This like nasty neon green. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. Which I hope none of his coworkers listen to this because I know. Right. I know he told his co-workers, co-workers that he got a pedicure and, you know, like d- they exfoliated his legs and stuff. And he was like, that was really nice. Oh <laughs> and they God. did the hot rocks. Like I paid for like the highest one. Right. Um, so, but I, I don't think he told them that he got his toes painted, but probably I like, not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course he tries to be realistic about it. He goes, I think this will be really interesting because with the nail polish, I can see how fast my toenails grow. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Oh okay. Gosh. Thank you. I'm like, all right. Maybe. Thanks. <laughs> but uh, the, my other rose is that Batman got too low. Uh, That's amazing. And I didn't die. Um, good. So, I mean, partially Always because. Always a good day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a saddle horn, I've never been more grateful for. I bought like one of those like pommel straps for my <laughs> my devaku for berkeley uh so i have like an english saddle horn um but yeah i mean i'm just i'm so excited and literally i wish i could describe how confused he was when i actually smooched to him like i had to kick him he was like wait am i actually like allowed to do this and i was like yes go and he was like really um Aww. but he was so good about it i mean he didn't miss a beat like he got to he's done it twice now i mean only like 30 seconds each direction so it's literally once around the arena but uh he like the second time he was just i was riding him one-handed he was in the bridle he was just like yes ma'am let's do this so i'm just i'm really hopeful that we can start getting the pasture bigger and get him back to life outside so i mean granted i'm super excited to like feel that horse lope under me because I'd never thought I would again. Uh, so it's just super fantastic. Um, but I know all he really wants to do is go outside and run and buck and fart. Um, so I'm just hoping we can just keep working on getting him strong and get him out, get him out and get him not having to deal with me on his back five days a week. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> All right, guys. So we have a question from Alex, um, who we had on the podcast in December. Poor Alex. So after he was on the show with us, he actually had a fall um, and has been, you know, rehabbing his own injury. 
But he has a question. He wants to know if we have any advice on how to overcome a f- like fear after falling off. So he started back riding three weeks ago and he's doing like riding school style lunge lessons. And the thought was to focus on his seat and balance. And in some ways he says that helped him, but in others, he still has a fear of, of doing something more like progressing to do more while riding. And he's struggling a bit with thoughts of falling off and being a poor rider. Well, first off, Alex, I feel like that's totally normal after a fall. So hang in there, but he's asking Uh, If we have any advice on how to overcome these fears, you know, he wants to get back to a competitive standpoint with his mare and he has some endurance races already lined up for the spring. So I don't know, Jess, are you worried about having any fear after, after, I mean, technically you didn't fall off when you broke your leg, but um, I don't know. Do you have advice? I know you went through like your collarbone injury years ago too. Like, how do you get back on? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, yeah, I didn't fall off this time, but it's still going to (laughs) be It's still going to be like when you jump down, like, you know, are you okay? Like, are your bones okay? Like, and I'm sure I'm fine, but it's a freak accident and things happen, but it still makes you not comfortable. And honestly, the more times you get in the saddle and the more times you do it, for me, that's how you do it. And that's like, you just have to trust like, okay, look, you can do this. You are secure in this. And maybe it's baby steps and maybe it's getting on, you know, things that you're comfortable with and that you're, you know, like you said, he's doing this Spanish writing. He's like taking it times to get his balance. And that sometimes is what helps you. And so sometimes in life and writing, you have to take three steps back to go some more steps forward. And I think that's part of life is like realizing that it's not always all these steps forward that are great. Sometimes you have to take steps back and say, it's okay. I'm going to regain my confidence by going slow. And so you know, the next time I might like when I jump off, I might like try to get back on the mounting block, you know, like and be like, oh, I'm going to be OK. And in reality, then you you get back in the groove and you're like, no, I can jump back down and not break my leg. It's just things happen. And things don't always go to plan. I think that's great advice. Ellie, do you have any, you know, like I know you're dealing with finding your own balance in the saddle. Does that give you any fear? Uh Oh, yeah. Like I'm terrified. Like I, I have a new fear of like getting um, like since I can't feel my leg as good, I have a really bad fear of like getting my foot like stuck in the stirrup, um, which I've never, I mean, knock on wood, it's never happened to me and I've never been afraid of that before, but like now it's kind of like an irrational fear and granted there was a, um, was not a fall per se in mine, you know, it's a disease. But when I, when I had a bad fall off Berkeley, when I first Oh God, it was like a month after I bought him. So this was, um, in high school. I mean, it, it scared me pretty good. And as stupid as this sounds, I will highly recommend it. And I have done it with my own clients, like that are struggling with like gaining their confidence. Um, so it's, it's kind of like what, uh, you know, Alex has been doing with the lunge style lessons. So, Yes, someone will put your horse on a lunge line. Someone will have a hold of your horse. And it doesn't even have to be on a lunge line. It could just be, you know, they're hand walking them. Um, and I have made Matt do this uh, for me as well as in my recovery right now. And it, it sounds stupid and it sounds like something you do with like a little kid for fun. But it, it works a lot. Um, so just sitting on a horse, um, bareback if possible, um, 
and not holding on, having your arms out to the side and closing your eyes. Um, obviously you can't do that with like every horse, uh, but doing that and like having someone hold it. So you don't have to worry, you know, you're like, nothing is going to happen. Like someone has control of this horse and then just like feeling the movement beneath you. I mean, I'm not there yet, but like when I was doing this in high school, right, I got back up to the point where my sister was lunging me at a canner and I'm closing my eyes and have my arms out to the side. And I was just able to regain my balance and my confidence. Um, obviously that took, you know, a while and I, it didn't happen every time I rode a horse, I wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? But just like having a chance to just get, get, feel that movement beneath you again and like get back in the groove. Um, I feel like after we take a fall that like sets us back where we haven't been in the saddle, I think there's a, there's a muscle memory lapse where you have to like kind of remind your body how to do it. And I think that really helps a lot taking away, you know, your, your eyes and your reins. So you have nothing to hold on to other than like relying on your seat and your balance. Um, is it's scary at first, uh, but I think it's really helpful. Um, and it definitely helps me a lot with my confidence and, uh, yeah. I think that's really great advice. I, it, yeah. I was like, I really like that because yeah. I think at the end of the day, that really helps. Like you said, just the muscle memory and the confidence that you can visualize it and feel it without panicking about the reins and holding on and all the rest. Right. And I think, Really, it's baby steps, Alex. You know, like there's no there's no rush. I mean, even if it changes, you know, your competition plans for the spring, like you really don't want to put that that pressure on your horse. They they know, you know what I mean. They know you. Liberty knows you, so she's gonna know if you're not at 100%. You know, I just that's part of what I love about the relationship with horses is your confidence is so important for them, you know? So I just wouldn't rush it. Like you, you will know when you feel better when you're like, Oh, I'm finally back to the old me. You know what I mean? Like it just, sometimes it, it takes time and it's, um, no one can tell you when, like you're going to feel better about it. It's, you know, the mental side of the sport is so hard sometimes and it's so individual. Everyone is on their own path. So I would just take your time. I think you're doing all the right things so far. So a hundred percent. Well, if you have a question for us and you want us to answer it on the air, you can always send us an email uh, by going to hello at heelsdownmedia.com. And you can join our Facebook group. We have a lot of fun conversations there. It's the heels down happy hour podcast lounge. And if you want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the heels down spark, our daily equestrian newsletter. You can do that by going to bit.ly slash spark by hd we want to say thank you to our partners this week purina all right guys that's a wrap cheers, cheers.